Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Psalm 69. Psalm 69, I'm giving you one verse today. Just one, I know. How many of y'all love our new stage? Yeah. I know, I'm having you do a lot of clapping today because we believe in honor in the house. I want to honor the Sarita family for their generosity, their time. Come on, give it up. They built this stage and they paid for this stage. Come on, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. It's amazing. And just everyone that helped this week, Pastor Phil and I were here till one in the morning, one night this week, getting it done. I'm just thankful. We have such an amazing house with amazing people. My mom and I laying carpet tile late Thursday night. Like, you just do what you do because we care about people. And it may seem insignificant, but we care. Like, I got to kneel at the altar today. I love that. I miss that. And Pastor Phil and I were talking, I need to shut up and then get into the word today. But I don't know. Like our old stage, it was built by me, first of all, which I'm not a carpenter by any means. Bless him, Lord. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like a youth group stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, y'all know what I'm saying? This feels a little more official, don't it? All right, one verse for you. Psalm 69 and verse 9. Continue our series today. God gave this to me Thursday night when I was mopping these floors. The Bible says this. Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults... Many of you have ever been insulted before? Yeah. Just two of you. All right. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Now, can we read this together, all of us together, loud and proud this morning? Come on, say it with me. Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. I want to preach this morning we got a brand new stage. I feel like I need to, to preach from this subject this morning. Clear the stage. Clear the stage. Father, thank you for your presence. I sense that you want to do something so special today. Father, break down every idol of our heart that we may experience healing and wholeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says... Amen. On your way down to your seat, just tell a couple people, it's time to clear the stage, boo-boo. Time to clear the stage. Time to clear the stage. Thank you, Pastor Jordan. In our Americanized culture, we have created, either knowingly or unknowingly, because culture is not just created, by intentional things, culture is also created by unintentionality. They say if your organization will change and shift unless you constantly put culture and vision in front of people. It just does it naturally. I think COVID did that with church attendance. Come on, preach, Pastor Andrew. You know, before, I've been in ministry a long time, before COVID, People were pretty faithful to church. They'd come twice a month. And, and as many leaders, we were trying to get them in every week because we believe it's important. 
and the early church did it. It's taught throughout Scripture. You can't have church just in your home. That's not scriptural. And we could talk about that another day. Come on, somebody. That's a hot topic. But they, they were faithful. But post-COVID, it's almost like people come once every couple months. And so that's why we can never have just a mediocre encounter on a Sunday morning. Because those moments matter. That's why we don't play games with church. We don't do things halfway. I don't preach a cookie cutter message from Joel Osteen. God bless him. Come on. But we come in here with fresh meat, fresh bread, fresh word every single week. Because the culture has caused people with a sleepiness in their dedication to the Lord. So culture just naturally changes. It just naturally changes. It changes in your home if you're not careful. You say, well, I want a culture where we're, we're kind to each other. Well, then you have to be intentional about the words that you're speaking and not just your children. Come on, somebody. You've got to be so intentional. And I have to do things and set things in order in order for those goals and those outcomes to come to pass. You have to give vision and culture structure. I believe in structure. I love structure. I don't believe that God moves in chaos. Come on, somebody. God is a God of order. Thank you, Pastor Faye. Preaching with me today. I love it. God is a God of order. And when things are not in order, he comes in, according to Genesis chapter 1, and his spirit hovers over the chaos and brings every chaotic thing into order. Everything. So the culture, that was just a little extra stuff at the beginning. It has nothing to do with my word today. You're welcome. Culture... In the church, the last 20-so years, we created this thing called seeker-friendly church. How many of you have ever heard that term before? Now, I know it's raining out there. I know we're all sleepy, but stay with me today. Can you all do that? Thank you. We created this culture. We allowed this culture of seeker-friendly church. Now, I believe in trying to get the seeker here. That's why we do events like yesterday. They're great for our kids, and we do them for them because we want our kids to love Jesus when they get older. Come on, somebody. We don't want them to think church is boring and terrible and strict and can't ever do anything or have any fun. Come on, somebody. We want them to love Jesus, and more importantly, with that, love his church too and ministry. Come on. I'm all about that stuff. But we have allowed church in our attempt to get people in to become a consumer-based culture. Now, that's not always bad. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews, God speaking of himself says, I'm an all-consuming fire. It's who I am. I'm a consuming God. But we have caused and allowed church to become so consumer-based that it's no longer about him, it's about us. Come on, somebody. It's about what can the church, bless you, do for me? 
What can the ministry do for me? What can your kids' ministry do for me? I don't like the worship. I don't like the preaching. Y'all ain't saying that about this church. Come on, somebody. If you do, you're crazy. Come on about the worship. We got the vest in Bowling Green, y'all. I'm convinced of it. But it's so consumer-based. That's too hot, too cold. They don't have my oat milk today. That's me, y'all. <laughs> the oat milk is because of Pastor Andrew. You're welcome for all of you drinking oat milk. I don't have to escape to the restroom in the middle of my sermon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's so consumer-based that people go from church to church claiming church hurt. Come on, somebody. Because they did not like the consumer culture that they weren't given. Well, I don't like it because I've heard, how many of you have heard this phrase? A little audience participation today. Uh, that pastor's messages just aren't feeding me. I'm not getting fed there. How many of you have ever heard that? Come on, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Yeah, me too. That's phony baloney. I'm not going to get many amens today, and I'm okay with that. That's phony baloney. Yeah. Now, I understand that sometimes God moves you because you want the deeper things of God. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. But I'm talking about a dependency on the preacher yeah. to eat. Yeah. It's not my job to feed you your weekly meal yeah. that you survive off of. Yeah. Take that pressure off of me in Jesus' name. Come on. I can cook. Y'all, I cooked some steaks this week on the new pizza oven that our staff bought us. Thank you so much for all your generosity this week and honoring us. We love you. It's the honor of our life to, to be your pastors. But I cooked some steaks on there this week. We cooked pizzas, which were delicious, but a hot mess because I really didn't know what I was doing. And then Pastor Faith stepped in and then schooled me in front of our entire staff. It's okay. God's healing me from it. Come on. But I made steaks this week in four minutes, y'all. Perfect medium. In f I can't do medium rare because my kids don't like it. Four minutes. Y'all, it tasted better than Longhorn. Come on, somebody. Like, I know I can cook, and I know I can deliver you some bread, but you can't survive a whole week off of a loaf of bread, Grayson. My boy's in there today. He loves bread. Every time we go to a restaurant with bread, we went, we were in Florida, in, in Alabama, Florida, both. Florbama is what it's called. And we went to this restaurant where they throw giant rolls at you. I mean, you've heard of this place. It was amazing, y'all. They must have hired the greatest quarterback in the county because that boy was just taking those rolls and landing them right in your lap. It was amazing. And the rolls were literally as big as Grayson's head. They were huge. But I had to eat the next day. Come on. I had to find another place the next day to eat. Because you can't live on bread alone, the Bible says. I can't live on a Sunday consumer experience alone. Now hear me. 
I believe church should be the best experience you have in the world. I believe we should be more creative than Disney. Who says we can't create content that kids want to consume? Come on, somebody. I believe God created us to be creative. It shouldn't be a boring place. It should be exciting. It should smell good. You should have good soaps in the bathroom. Aren't y'all glad for that? Come on, somebody. There should be coffee. There should be good things. Your kids should never want to leave near kids. And they don't. It's awesome. I went to this one church where the kids went down a slide into kids' ministry. We're going to get that soon. Come on, somebody. I believe in excellence and greatness and all the things that God wants to do through his church. They shouldn't want to be in Chuck E. Cheese more than church. Come on, somebody. They shouldn't want to be buying stuff more than they want to be in church. We should be creating the greatest experience on earth. The happiest place on earth is not Disney. It's his church, and it should be. But we cannot feed you enough in a moment of two hours for you to last the week. You can't live on bread alone. What does Jesus say? But by every word. What just doesn't feed me? Have you fed yourself recently? I said, have you fed yourself recently? Because there's no longer an excuse. We have every podcast. We have every sermon that you could ever want to listen to. The Bible says in the last days, there will not be a lack of knowledge. Yet we struggle more than ever before because it's all about what I consume. Now, the last time I wore this shirt, I know I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. It was a little tight, wasn't it, Pastor Faye? She looked at me this morning and said, man, that shirt looks kind of big on you. It's because I switched from drinking regular soda to diet soda. Now, I know. I know. I don't want to hear it. Don't come to me sending me your message about aspartame. I know what it causes, but I also believe God's a healer, and he knows I need my Diet Coke on Sunday after I preach. Come on, somebody. So step off in Jesus' name. I'm kidding but for real. I get it. I get it. But my form has changed a little bit. Some of y'all are like, I don't see it, Pastor Andrew. My form has changed a little bit because of not a desire, not a goal. Like, man, I, w- I would just love to be skinny, y'all. I would just love to be skinny. No. It changed because of what I consume you can wish all day long for change in your life but has your consumption changed come on has your consumption changed i don't believe this is good stuff this morning y'all we're just having fun i don't believe diets work they do for some people but you got to do them for the rest of your life for them to be effective. Come on. I don't believe they work. I believe healthy, and this is coming from the dude who's overweight, so 
Take it with a grain of salt. Come on, somebody. I believe healthy consumption is what works. Choosing what you eat. Being careful about what you eat. Too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Come on, somebody. Like we got all that candy yesterday from Trunk or Treat. My kids wanted to eat it this morning. The devil's a liar. You will not consume candy this morning. Come on. In the Butler house, you won't. Come on. It's all about consumption. It's all about diet, what we're putting in us. But it's funny how a lot of people that grew up a certain way with such strictness, the diet called religion, preach Pastor Andrew. Come on. I'm not talking about being holy. I'm not talking about doing what's right. I'm not talking about obeying the word of God. I'm talking about making things so hard for you that Jesus couldn't even do it. He, he could. That's a joke. Consumption matters. Consumption matters. And David here in our text, if they'll throw it back up this morning, writes this word that is so powerful. Y'all, I would challenge you to read Psalm 69 this week over and over. I may preach from it again next week and the week after because I got like 10 sermons out of this one chapter this week. But this one verse is so powerful. Passion for your house has consumed me. Older translation says zeal for your house. I love that translation. Zeal for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you, Lord, have fallen on me. Passion for your house has consumed me. I think what's interesting about this verse and our consumerism-based Christianity is we've made it all about performance. So many times it's not really about passion, it's about performance. Come on, y'all. If we can preach you into a fit, come on. If we can manipulate your emotions enough. Come on, somebody. That don't happen here, but there are places where it happens. And I've experienced that. I'm sure you have too. And there is this pressure that comes on people. Stay with me here. Especially people in ministry. And so many of us in the room today are either in ministry now or we have been or you will be. So this word is for everybody in the room. Come on. There is this pressure to perform and to expect a certain result. By most people's standards, near church is a failure. We've been a church almost three years, and we haven't broken 100 yet. So when people ask me how many people you run in, and I tell them truthfully, because I do not lie, come on. Oh, that's okay, buddy. That's, you'll get there. It's all right. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's all Bless him, Lord. It's all right. There's this pressure to perform. There is this pressure to get people 
to be exactly what you want them to be, to preach the perfect tailored message, to have the perfect worship set, for everything to be excellent, and we should be excellent. Are you with me in the room today? But there is this pressure that it has to come from what I am capable of doing and my own ability. Who am I talking to today? This pressure to make it happen. One of the greatest revelations I ever got as a preacher and as a pastor is I can't free anybody. It don't matter how many counseling sessions I have with them, and I've done a lot. It doesn't matter how many text threads I've had with people, I've had a lot. It doesn't matter how many phone conversations I've had or conversations where they'll say, Pastor, I need to talk to you, and it's 11 o'clock at night, and we get in their car, and we drive to some parking lot, and we have deep conversations. I can't change anybody. I can't, and neither can you. So some of you have been feeling the pressure to get your family saved, and you've been feeling the pressure to make somebody in your life change. Boo-boo, listen to this revelation today. You can't, and you won't. Did you hear me? You can't, and you won't. You can't save anybody. You can't heal them. You can't restore them, and it's not your job to. It's your job to lead them to the presence of God and to the only one that is able to do the saving because when we lead them there, come on, somebody, God will do the changing, and he will do the saving, and he'll do the healing. Come on, if you believe that God's going to move in somebody in your life, I dare you to lift up a shout of praise right there. Hey, I believe it for my city to be changed, but I don't have to do it. I believe it for some of your people to be saved, but you don't have to do it. It only comes from Jesus. And today you can rest in the salvation of God. Come on, give him praise right there. You do not have to perform. Did you hear me today? You don't have to perform another moment, not one. You don't have to be the latest and greatest. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be like anybody else. Don't you love that pressure? That if, if you don't look a certain way, you don't preach a certain way. I felt that growing up. Come on. I was raised with great people, but there was this pressure to be a certain way. And I never quite fit in. I'm glad. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad you didn't fit in? Come on, look at somebody and say, I'm so glad you didn't fit in. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you are a square peg going in a round hole. Because you wouldn't be here today if you had fit in where you were. Come on. There is freedom this morning from the performance. Because if we're not careful, catch this this morning. If we're not careful, passion for his house will turn into idolatry. If you're not careful, if you're not consuming the right things, you will end up worshiping the stage and the performance. Instead of the God that puts you there, David. 
Come on. Because it would have been so easy for David to be like, man, this sling and stone are the best. I love it. I'm going to use it every day of my life. I'm going to use it in every battle. But he didn't do that. Nowhere in Scripture do we see David using the same weapon ever again. Why? When the performance was over, he laid it down. Come on, somebody. Because maybe God anoints something for a moment, but it's not always forever. Come on. I've said this before. It's the same thing with Samson. He kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And he could have went and patented it and said, guess what? This jawbone killed a thousand Philistines for $9.95 for the next 20 years. You can own a similar weapon that will kill all the Philistines in your life, brother Ken. It's going to kill them all. But no, he laid it down. He laid it down because he wasn't worshiping the performance. He was dependent on the God that put his hand on him. I love ministry, y'all. Ministry is my life. Ministry is not something that I turn on and off when I get home from work. It is my life. It consumes my life. Every part of my life is based around ministry. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that my kids get to be raised in ministry. I know there's a lot of PKs, pastor's kids that are cuckoo and crazy. Come on. But my kids won't be that way because we're being so intentional with them. In Jesus' name. I'm just speaking it in Jesus' name. But I'm so glad we get to raise our kids in this. it's It's not a hard thing to get here early. Uh oh, better roll my sleeves for this one. It's not a hard thing to get here early. It's not a hard thing to serve. It's not a hard thing to give. It's not a hard thing to drive two and a half hours one way every single Sunday to lead worship. It's not a hard thing. It wasn't hard taking down the entire worship set and chairs and kids ministry every week and putting it in a trailer and then taking it to storage and then doing it all the week in and out every single week come on it wasn't hard why because i have passion for his house i have zeal for his house and so whatever god asked me to do i'm willing to do it come on you're quiet today because passion for his house has consumed me But for many of us, the verse should say performance of his house has consumed me. And that's why people give up from ministry. We can deal with hurt. Most of the time you can deal with ministry hurt. If you're praying and you're surrounded by a good community of people, you can get through whatever hurts you have. But when your performance doesn't equal the results you want, When what you do isn't creating the culture that you desire. Come on, who am I talking to today? When you preach and they don't amen. I remember a time. 
when our worship has always been amazing. But when no one really worshiped in the audience, y'all remember that? It was the worst. Everybody just stood there. Raise your hands. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Sing out loud. Worthy you were. Worthy you are. Give God some praise. Worthy you will be for it. Come on, somebody. So stiff and stale. Come on. Like old bread that's been sitting up in the cabinet for too long. Come on. So robotic. I remember those times. And I remember how frustrating it would be. As a staff, we would have lunch after, and we would be like, man, God was in the room. Why didn't they get a hold of God? Why didn't they worship? Or they'd say, Pastor, your message was unbelievable this morning, really touched me. Why didn't they respond? Come on, somebody. Yeah. That will cause anyone to want to quit. And so many of us are not consumed by the correct thing. So we're consumed by performance. Are you with me today? But the other thing that many of us are consumed by is selfishness. Come on. Come on. Preach, Pastor Andrew. I love you enough to tell you these things. I, I had a conversation with somebody one time, and they told me what they wanted to do, and I said, please don't do that. Well, why? Because selfishness always leads to destruction. Hear me today. Selfishness always leads to destruction. Well, I'm just working on myself. That is not in the Bible. Yeah. I'm dropping some microphone quotes today, y'all. Come on. Yeah. That, that's not biblical. Yeah. I'm just working on myself. Lay that idol at the altar and submit to God in Jesus' name. Yeah. I'm going to clap for myself. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm just working on myself. I'm just working on my marriage. Stop it. I don't mean to try things. I don't mean, remember I said God's a God of order and I believe in systematic things. And if you want goals, you have to do things in order to create the goals. Come on. But you can't save your marriage. You can't save yourself. Your performance has caused you to be consumed. And in turn, you have turned away from the one that is able to do the saving and now you only think about yourself. Come on. Zeal for performance has consumed me. The only reason I could preach this this morning is because I have been in it and God has delivered me out of it. So I'm preaching to the choir this morning. I have been there, done that. I got the t-shirt. I got the sticker. Come on. I've been there. And you will start thinking so much about yourself that you miss out on purpose. You miss out on encounters. You miss out on what God is trying to do in your life. Are you with me today? 
it creates selfishness. But the one that I want to focus on, all that was an intro. Come on. My clock says 10 more minutes. I got to fly through this, y'all. Y'all with me still? Good. The thing that I see most people consumed with, they're selfish, yes. Performance-based, yes. But most of the time, all of that comes from pain. You hear me? All of that comes from pain. Why do I perform? Because someone hurt me before, and I need to feel affirmed and loved in what I do now so I don't feel the feelings from before. Come on. Selfishness, same thing. I was hurt before. I can't give myself out openly because if I do, I'll get hurt again like before. Come on, talk to me this morning. Pain and suffering and hard circumstances cause people to turn inward instead of to God. It causes us to do things where we forsake order in order to protect ourselves. And I'm afraid that so many of us are standing on platforms and stages. I don't just mean this stage. You're standing on a stage at work and you don't even know it. You're standing on a stage with your family and you don't even know it. God's made every one of you a leader and you don't even know it. How am I a leader? I don't have a title. It's not about titles. Come on, can we throw titles in the trash? Everybody's got to be an apostle, prophet, king, priest, missionary to Uganda, princess orphanage. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Can we throw our titles away? Because our titles have become equally as an idol as our platform has. And if you're not careful, you will worship the title so much that when it gets taken away, you don't know who you are anymore. I'm not a pastor. I am. But that's not who I am. I'm Faye's husband. I'm a child of God. I'm Sadie Grayson's and Abby's dad. Forget ministry. That's who I am. So when I leave here sometimes, and I didn't preach my greatest, come on, somebody. It happens to all of us, don't it? Or when I mess up a word, my staff keeps track of those. They got audio recordings of me. <laughs> There's this one Sunday where I said, we're going to meet with God. And it became a song in our staff. We're going to meet with God because I did some stupid voice as I normally do. But the weekends were, it didn't go as hot as I wanted it to or maybe the sermon didn't land the way I wanted it to. I could still go home and not want to do something stupid because I know who I am in him, who I am in her, and who I am with them. Come on, somebody. 
You don't have to perform. The stage has become such an idol in our life. How many of you ever heard the song, Clear the Stage? You ever heard that? Come on, let's see your hands. I encourage you to go listen to it by Jimmy Needham. I'll never forget when it came out. It came out the same time as the song that we're going to do for altar, which is Jesus Be the Center. Same era. And I'll never forget this drama team came to our church and performed it of Clear the Stage. And it talks about how we have allowed the stage to become an idol. If you're not careful, hear me today, church. This place of elevation, this place of promotion, that's what a stage is. Come on, you with me today? Promotion can become idolatry. Favor can become idolatry. Pastor, I don't worship idols. I don't bow down before wooden statues and and Buddha in my house. And I'm not celebrating the devil on Halloween, which we didn't either yesterday, by the way. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Help him, Jesus. Come on. I hate the devil just as much as everybody else in church. Come on. Our kids can get candy and walk around in costumes without it worshiping the devil. Amen. I love all of you and those of you who that aren't here because of that. Amen. I need to shut up. The staff's going, yes, shut up. Move on. But those things become what we worship. In America, and you've heard me talk about it a million times, calling, destiny, purpose, God has all of that for you. But it is such an altar that we worship at. It is. Well, they're not using me there. I've heard that so many times I could spit fire. Come on. They're not using me. And then when you do use them, they're using me. (laughs) And abusing me. (laughs) I love church, y'all. They're using me. You prayed for it. I know, but this isn't what I meant. (laughs) We worship at that idol too. And today, the Holy Spirit is challenging us, no matter where you are in this sermon today. And maybe you're outside and there's another something that has consumed you. I don't know. But today, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I want to restore passion for me back in the house again. I want to give my people a passion for my presence. A responsibility to host the holy. This thing is not about the stage. It's not about the lights. It's not about the crowds. 
It's not about the affirmation. It's not about what you feel. And it's not about the experience. Come on, somebody. And it's not about if they sing your favorite songs. It's not about hymns. It's not about new songs. It's not about old songs. It's not about what we're wearing. It's not about any of that. It's about him. Come on, it's about him. No wonder the church can't reach people. Who wants to come to a place where they fight each other? Oh, come on somebody. Who wants to go to a place where they're fighting each other? If, catch this, if we would just make him the center of it all, y'all, we could not hold them in this building. Near church can't change anybody. I said, near church can't change anybody. We're but the vehicle and the vessel that he wants to use amongst every other church in this city, amongst every other pastor in this city. Come on, somebody. We're just a tool in the hand of God. But David said, passion for your house, for your presence, for your anointing, for an encounter with you has consumed me. It has changed my life. Y'all, when I was 16 years old, depressed, suicidal, wanted to end my life, it was passion for his presence. I feel the anointing. And for his house that came on my life, and I have never been the same. And it didn't matter what they said about me me and it didn't matter what I went through and it didn't matter what trial I had to go through and what test I had to pass because I was consumed with passion for the house of God come on somebody can we just worship him right now come on take a minute and worship him come on pastor Jordan passion for his house I don't have to perform on the stage I don't have to perform. Come on, look at three people and say, I don't have to perform. Do it right now. Come on, tell a few more people, I don't have to perform. I don't have to perform. I don't have to prove myself. Oh, come on, I don't have to prove myself. I don't need somebody to be proud of me. I don't need somebody to tell me I'm doing good. I don't have to preach a good enough message. I don't have to have good enough worship. I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to perform anymore. I just need to be consumed with the presence of the living God. I feel him in this room. I just need to be consumed with the all-consuming fire. Come on, somebody. I want to read you these lyrics right before Pastor Jordan sings. Clear the stage. Set the sounds and lights ablaze. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. Jerk the pews and all the decorations too until the congregation's few and then have revival. Tell your friends this is where the party ends until you're broken for your sins. You can't be social. Seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store. And know that great is your reward, so just be hopeful. And the chorus goes like this. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong. We can perform all we want to and still get it wrong. hear me we can grow this church as big as we want to 
I still get it wrong. Give me 50 people in his presence, then 5,000 and none. I don't want to get this thing wrong. I don't want my zeal and my passions and my consumption to be misplaced. So I told you at the beginning of my message, we live a consumer-based church. Yes, we do. And guess what? Near church is consumer-based. But not the consumer-based you're thinking of. We come to consume his presence. We come to worship fully engaged. We come to eat on the word. Come on, somebody. The word that propels us into something greater for the weak. Come on. We come hungry. We come thirsty. We come desperate. We don't come half-dressed. Come on. We don't come looking dirty. Why? Because passion for his house has consumed us. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.